You know, the Bible talks about how one generation to the next will sing of God's mighty works, and I think it's a big deal uh, to see another generation leading us in worship. I don't think that's something we should take for granted and not underestimate how important that is to us. And so, I, you know, I just want to highlight and thank all the staff and volunteers of children's ministry, youth ministry, music and worship ministry. Um, it's, you, you experience some of the fruit of that labor this morning. And again, it's a big deal for another generation to come uh, next and lead us in worship in moments like that. So I hope you appreciated that moment. Hey, we are uh, concluding our series uh, this morning called The Echoes of Jesus. And in this series, we've been discovering that the Old and New Testament are not two different stories, but one story. In Luke 24, um, it says, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he, Jesus, explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Now, in Luke 24, when it says the scriptures... That's talking about what we call the Old Testament. And so Jesus opened up the Old Testament and explained how it was talking about him. And so in this series, The Echoes of Jesus, uh, we've been emphasizing that the whole Bible is the story of Jesus. So we want to look for the story of Jesus in the Old Testament. And in this series, we've looked at five different Old Testament passages and unpacked how they've, they are connected to Jesus. And we're going to look at one more this morning. But these echoes of Jesus are everywhere in the Old Testament. We've barely scratched the surface with this series. And so when you read the Old Testament on your own, be listening for these echoes because they are everywhere. Uh, this morning, we are going to be looking at a passage from Judges. And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Judges chapter 2. Uh, Judges begins right after the Israelites conquer the promised land under Joshua's leadership. And now Joshua is gone, and the people are settling in the promised land. Uh, our scripture reader for this morning is Willie Bachma. Willie, if you can make your way on up to the podium. As he does, I'm going to ask you to please stand if you are able and face the center of the room. And we read from the center of the room as a reminder to us where scripture is to be in our lives, both as individuals and as a community of faith, scripture should be central. And um, so, Willie, whenever you are ready, uh, please read from Judges chapter 2, verses 10 to 19. After that, the whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors. Another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. They forsook the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods of the peoples around them. They aroused the Lord's anger because they forsook him and served Baal and the Ashtoreths. In his anger against Israel, the Lord gave them into the hands of raiders who plundered them. He sold them into the hands of their enemies all around whom they were no longer able to resist. Whenever Israel went out to fight, the hand of the Lord was against them to defeat them. Just as he had sworn to them, they were in great distress. Then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hands of these raiders. Yet they would not listen to their judges, but prostituted themselves to other gods and worshiped them. They quickly turned away from the ways of their ancestors who had been obedient to the Lord's commands. 
Whenever the Lord raised up a judge for them, he was with the judge and saved them out of the hands of their enemies as long as the judge lived. But the Lord relented because of their groaning under those who oppressed and afflicted them. But when the judge died, the people returned to ways even more corrupt than those of their ancestors, following other gods and serving and worshiping them. They refused to give up their evil practices and stubborn ways. Willie, thank you very much. You may be seated. And we'll be revisiting this passage uh, throughout the message. So if you want to keep your Bibles open to Judges 2, that would be a good thing. You know, as I'm uh, getting older, my metabolism has slowed down. Uh, I used to be able to eat whatever I wanted, and it didn't impact my weight at all. Um, Many people hated me for that. Sorry. Uh, But uh, again, my metabolism has slowed down. Here's my, uh, for those of you who, who know, who've known me for a while, you knew this was true about me, but here's my first uh, TFRC Christmas staff picture that I was in. Go ahead and put that on the screen. Okay, um, I'm the one in the middle with glasses. Okay, you see that? Yeah, you, you understand why my wife married me. Look at that, pretty studly, huh? <laughs> so, um, but you can see how, how skinny I was and I could uh, eat anything and it didn't impact my weight at all. And now... I have to watch what I eat. Um, And we're at the beginning of the trifecta of healthy eating killer holidays, right? Um, There are three holidays right in a row just waiting to kill our diets. Um, Halloween was two weeks ago. I'm still eating candy, and so I'm losing there. Uh, Thanksgiving is coming up, and that's a whole day of feasting while watching other people exercise on television, so that's not good. Um, and then literally the day after Thanksgiving, the next day is the beginning of the Christmas season, and that's basically just a whole month where we mail it in when it comes to our diet. So basically we got two months um, of trying to eat right. It just goes out the window. Uh, but I'm here to help. I'm here to help you, okay? I found some quick holiday eating tips for you. I found them online, so they must be true, okay? Uh, the first one is if you eat something, and no one sees you eat it. The calories don't count, okay? <laughs> Likewise, if you eat and you are standing up while you're eating, the calories don't count there either. Um, cookie pieces contain no calories since the calories leak out in the breaking process of the cookies. It's a little tip, so break them before you eat them. And then when you eat with someone else, if you eat less than they do, you're good. <laughs> calories don't count, don't worry about it, okay? Just helping you out. Um, When Christmas is over, then what comes? We hit New Year's. And what comes with New Year's? New Year resolutions. And what's the number one New Year resolution? We're going to lose weight. Where we all promise to eat better, which of course is shot by Valentine's Day. It's a vicious cycle. It's a vicious cycle. We promise to eat right, the holidays come. We promise to eat right, the holidays come. We promise to eat right, the holidays come. The book of Judges is 21 chapters long. And the period of time that it covers, those 21 chapters, covers about 200 years. And so the passage that we just heard gives us a summary of the entire book. If you want to know what the book of Judges is about and you don't want to have to read all 21 chapters, you just read a great summary of what the book of Judges is about. And it's a vicious cycle. It's another vicious cycle. And I titled the message this morning, Going Around in Circles, because that's what the Israelites do 
in the entire book of Judges. And the first step of them going in circles is disobedience. Disobedience. God wanted a relationship with the people. And what kind of relationship did he want? He wanted to be their God and for them to be his people. Basically, a worship relationship. And the best comparison or metaphor that I can give for a worship relationship between God and the Israelites is marriage. A worship relationship is a lot like a marriage relationship in the sense that it is sacred and exclusive. Uh, verses 10 to 13 of chapter 2. You can look in your Bibles if you're there or look on the screen. After that, whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors. Another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. They forsook the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods of the peoples around them. They aroused the Lord's anger because they forsook him and served Baal and the Ashtoreths. And I just want to spend a second focusing on the word forsook. In this context, forsook means leaving one relationship for another. They left God for the Baals and the Ashtoreths. And I think it's a fair question to ask, what's the big deal about that? So they were worshiping the Baals and the Ashtoreths. Who, you know, who cares? Well, again, worship is a lot like marriage. And if in your marriage you were to find out the devastating news that your spouse is cheating on you, it's a horrible place to be. But then your spouse is in the position where a choice has to be made. The first choice is that the spouse needs to stop and end that other relationship with the other person and then try to start to rebuild your marriage. The other choice, which would be a devastating choice, but it's, an, it's another choice, is to end the relationship with you for the other person, which is terrible. But what would be even worse than that is for your spouse to try to convince you, let me keep both. I want my marriage with you, and I want to keep the relationship with the person I'm cheating with you. See, that's, that doesn't work. Because marriage, by its very nature, is an exclusive relationship. And when you bring another into that kind of relationship, you've just tainted it. You must choose one or the other. And worship is the same way. It's exclusive. When the Israelites worshipped other gods, they tainted their relationship with the one true God. And they cheated with a god called Baal. And just something you're going to want to know about Baal worship is Baal was a fertility god. He was a fertility god. Now, the god of Israel was great for leading the Israelites in the desert. They wandered in the desert for 40 years, and God was able to take care of them step by step by step by step. Well, now in this passage, they're not in the desert anymore. They live in a fertile land. And it would be an honest question for them to say, well, our God was, able to, was a good desert God, but we're not sure what kind of fertility God he is. Because fertility in their crops and with their animals and with their families, that was everything for them. And so now they find themselves in a land that relies on fertility. And so what do you do? Well, you find a fertility God. 
And that's what the Baal and Ashtoreths were. So in essence, what they did is they left God for someone who they thought was better. But you see, at its worst, at its worst, Baal worship required child sacrifice, which the Israelites practiced when they practiced Baal worship. Fertility meant prosperity. And so the Israelites, they were willing to not just leave God, but they were willing to sacrifice whatever Baal wanted. Baal would give them fertility, at least they thought that, but would in exchange demand sacrifice, even of their children. And the Israelites did it because they believed it brought them prosperity. I just want to take a moment and have all of us ask, what brings us, what brings you prosperity? What are you willing to sacrifice for prosperity? What is more important for your own prosperity than God? Now, the Sunday school answer to that last question is nothing. God is the most important thing for our well-being. But if we're honest and kind of look at how we do life, there are lots of things we think are more important for our well-being and prosperity than God. Whether it's, again, it could be good things like a work ethic or education or career or good finances. Those are all good things. But the things we give our time and attention to, those are the things we worship. And we tend to worship things that we think will make us prosperous. And we forget that without God, we have nothing and we are nothing. The second step of going around in circles is defeat. First step is disobedience. Second step is defeat. When you leave the source of your blessings, as the Israelites did, well, then you tend to lose the blessings, right? If you leave the source, you lose the blessings. In verses 14 and 15 of chapter 2, In his anger against Israel, the Lord gave them into the hands of raiders who plundered them. He sold them into the hands of their enemies all around, whom they were no longer able to resist. Whenever Israel went out to fight, the hand of the Lord was against them to defeat them, just as he had sworn to them. They were in great distress. Now, where did the Israelites learn about Baal worship? Well, it says in the passage... Uh, not this passage, in, in verse 13, well, from the people around them. And so they sacrificed their allegiance to God and follow the gods of the people who lived around them. And it says there that when it came to the people around them, when they would go out to fight, they were no longer able to resist. No longer able to resist, which makes sense. Because when you give yourself to something, it's hard to resist it when it turns on you. And guess what? Those other people who lived around them turned on them. And so the very thing that they left God for was the cause of their downfall. It was the cause of their downfall. They thought the fertility gods will help us. And the people of those fertility gods fought against them, defeated them, and plundered them. The third step of going around in circles is deliverance. Even though God was angry with the Israelites, he still loved them, and so he would deliver them. 
In verses 16 and 18 from chapter 2, Then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hands of these raiders. And whenever the Lord raised up a judge for them, he was with the judge and saved them out of the hands of their enemies as long as the judge lived. For the Lord relented because of their groaning under those who oppressed and afflicted them. The Israelites would cry out to God under their oppression, much like they did when they were slaves in Egypt. And if you grabbed an outline, if you turn to the back page and you look at the Bible reading tool, towards the bottom of that, you'll see I listed some references and judges of when the Israelites would cry out under their oppression. But again, even though God was angry, he still loved the Israelites. And so when they cried out, God sent judges to save them. And when you hear the word judge, don't think courtroom, not a courtroom judge. These were military leaders. And the judges that God would send, they were not always great guys. They were flawed. They were saviors, but they were flawed saviors. There are three judges that I just want to briefly highlight, and I'm highlighting their flaws. If you want to read their whole stories, again, at the bottom of the Bible reading tool on the back of the outline, you'll see the chapters and judges. You can read about these three particular ones. The first one is Gideon. Um, And his flaw was, one, is that he killed fellow Israelites. And then, two, at the end of his life, he created an idol, which the people ended up worshiping. Jephthah, his flaw was that he sacrificed his daughter after winning a battle. Took an oath to sacrifice, and when it was his daughter that came out to greet him, that's who he sacrificed. Samson, who, if you know of any judge... Uh, from the book. Samson, the big strong, or the strong guy, not necessarily, may not necessarily have been big, but the strong guy is one that you're familiar with. Well, Samson, he was promiscuous, he was arrogant, and he was downright reckless. So the judges, they were military leaders who won military victories, and God uses them to deliver the Israelites, but they were flawed saviors. And the last step of going in circles is a downward spiral. A downward spiral. I've been using the term going in circles, but the Israelites weren't just going in circles. They were on a downward spiral. In verses 17 and 19 from the passage, we read, yet they would not listen to their judges, but prostituted themselves to other gods and worshiped them. They quickly turned from the ways of their ancestors, who had been obedient to the Lord's commands. But when the judge died, the people returned to ways even more corrupt than those of their ancestors, following other gods and serving and worshiping them. They refused to give up their evil practices and stubborn ways. When the judge died, the people were even more corrupt. It got worse and worse and worse. And eventually, the Israelites hit rock bottom. The book of Judges ends with this verse. This is the last line in the book of Judges. In those days, Israel had no king, and everyone did as they saw fit. Another way to translate the second half of that verse is everyone did what was right in their own eyes. 
They didn't care what God thought. They didn't care how their actions impacted one another. They did as they saw fit. And when everyone does as they see fit, you have complete and utter chaos. And if you go back and read towards the end of Judges, you will see that the Israelites are in complete and utter chaos. But the first half of that verse implies something, where it says, Israel had no king. So everyone did as they saw fit. The Israelites, they didn't need another judge. God had sent plenty. They didn't need another judge who would just simply be another flawed savior. In order to be saved, the Israelites needed a righteous king to lead them. A righteous king to lead them. When they had hit rock bottom and everyone did as they saw fit, they needed a king to save them, to rescue them from themselves. And God would give the Israelites many kings. The best one was King David. The Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. But not even King David was righteous enough. And so God said that the king that you need will be one of David's descendants. He will be the one who ultimately saves you. And a thousand years after the book of Judges is done, Jesus comes. And when Jesus died, he was called the king of the Jews. And I would argue that the lowest point in the history of Israel was when they rejected Jesus as their Messiah. And after they rejected him, the Romans crucified Jesus. And as Jesus hung from the cross, as Jesus hung from the cross, it was at that moment that God worked to rescue not just the Jews, but the entire world. At the height of human rebellion against God, when we crucified his son, that was God at his greatest moment saving us. We needed a righteous king, and God gave us Jesus, and his death saves us. Because we too go in circles, don't we? Where we pursue prosperity in all the wrong ways, sacrifice things that shouldn't be sacrificed, and then we experience defeat. And many times that defeat comes at the hands of the things that we thought would bring us prosperity and well-being. And then God will bail us out from time to time. You know, we cry out to God, God help us, God where are you? And God will. He will get us out of different binds. Maybe it's an economic bind or a relational bind or a physical bind. But then after that, we just keep going downhill. And we do this over and over and over again. And I don't know where you currently are in the circle. Maybe you're in the disobedience phase, or maybe you're in the defeat phase, or maybe you're in the deliverance phase, or maybe you're in the downward spiral phase, or maybe you've hit rock bottom. But it doesn't matter where you are in the circle because the good news is that no matter where you are in the circle, Jesus is at work in you. 
the righteous king, is reaching out to you so he can lead you through whatever chaos you find yourself in. And he is calling you to a better place. This series is called The Echoes of Jesus, pointing out the echoes of Jesus in the Old Testament. But we also want you to hear the call of Jesus, for it also echoes into your own life. It doesn't matter how far you've fallen. doesn't matter what you've done or how much your life has gone your way or hasn't gone your way. As you've gone around in circles, I don't know what you've lost or what dreams and hopes that have died. But Jesus is calling out to you. And he is the Lord of resurrection. And he is the master at bringing life from death. And he can end our downward spirals. Jesus is calling out to you. And the first thing we have to do is simply listen for the call. The call of the righteous king. The call of the risen Savior. Please pray with me. And Lord, again, we are so grateful that no matter how far we fall, no matter how much we have forsaken you, that you still love us and that Jesus is still calling to us. And Lord, I ask that you would give us ears to hear that call and eyes to see how you're at work in our lives and how Jesus, our righteous King and our risen Savior, calls out to us. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. And may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.